You're listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. Anytime some sort of reflection on on trait personality traits comes up that has to do with um, like pride slash humility and uh, like sacrificial love, those are things that always trigger thoughts on my dad's. Mm. Um, wow. Because you don't feel like you witnessed that like you wanted to. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Um, with my with my biological dad, I just to this day, like I don't feel like I have super high expectations. Like to this day, that there, I I just wish I would hear him say, "I'm sorry, I, I like I goofed this. This was yeah. not the way I should have done things," and just leave it there not blame anybody else not blame my mom not blame the government not blame the, anybody <laughs> but just say like this was my responsibility i messed it up big time this was wrong this is not how a man should act and there's genuinely no excuse for that what would that do for you if if he could and would do that very acutely it would give me respect deep respect for him because i know that Every man wants to be respected, and certainly, I would imagine a father yeah. wants to be respected by his sons. And I and, and I want to give that to my dads. I want to give respect to my dads, but it, it I would have to be pretending to give them the the level of respect. I'm not just talking about like respect as a human being. Of course, I respect that, but like I'm talking about that deep admir uh, admiration, that deep respect, that like. I want to be like you type of respect. Yeah. The real father-son connection. Hello guys, what are you doing? A big welcome to episode 12 of the I'd Rather Talk podcast. My name is Mark Edward and I'm the founder of I'd Rather Talk.com. That's an educational website for young men 18 to 30 something. And since 2014, I've been helping men find answers there on the 12 topics that guys ask me about the most over the last 37 years of mentoring. One of the topics we often talk about is the critical relationship with our dads, or in many cases, the lack thereof, causing what some would call father wounds. In 37 years of mentoring, I would guess I have talked about a young man's relationship with their dad with pretty much every guy in my circle. I normally ask about dads on our first or second contact. And often, as I mentioned in the previous episode, they will bring this up before I do. And if you can determine you know, how life went with dad, then you'll get a pretty good snapshot of how the young man will face his own life challenges or how he will run from them or worse, adapt unhealthy behaviors to cope with the challenges that men face. So we said this before, but we all crave guidance. Us guys do. We crave training and full acceptance. We crave time and of course, healthy affection from our fathers. And if not from him, then from a healthy father figure. 
And although this podcast is for men, of course, daughters crave this too. I raised three daughters, and believe me, they need those same things. I like what Mike Ganung said. He said that the void that's left by lack of our father's love is a setup for a long, hard struggle with sex addiction, workaholism, gluttony, or some other false coping mechanism. Definitely seen that happen in the lives of some of the men I've journeyed with whose fathers have been absent or distant. Do they have to stay there? No, of course. We can grow and we can conquer. Today, we're going to talk with a young NetGen who experienced divorce with his biological father as a young boy uh, between his dad and mom and has had a distant relationship, or at least emotionally, with his stepfather. The good news in this podcast is, among many things, there is love uh, now present between them, and you'll hear about that. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing Isaac's perspective. He has his bachelor's in Christian theology. He opens his soul today in a pretty profound and vulnerable way and shares both his pain and some really practical steps to going forward uh, from the space of having emotionally distant dads. It has truly been my honor and joy to journey with Isaac Plintel since 2000 when he was five years old. And way back in 2000, wow, that time has passed, 21 years, Jamie and I served on staff at a ministry in Southern California. And Isaac, who again was just five, became friends with one of our daughters, and they even attended the same academy. And Jamie and Isaac's mom, Shosh, formed a friendship. And after we left those ministry positions, we reconnected with Isaac at the dawn of social media in 2008. And we had the joy of watching Isaac over the social media and over the phone at times finish high school, conquer college at GCU in Phoenix, polish his uh, amazing songwriting skills, and just grow as a young leader. In October of 2019, I remember Isaac reached out to me, and we had texted and talked some uh, different songwriting tips we had exchanged. But he texted me, and then we spoke by phone back then in October of 19, and he said, I know that you mentor, uh, and I need a spiritual mentor in my life. Well, I didn't even have to think about it. I know I said something like, dude, you're, you're grandfathered in. I've, I've known you since you were five. We have had the awesome privilege of hanging with Isaac um, over these years by technology and even in person there back in February of 2020. We were out in Palm Springs right before COVID. I truly do enjoy every opportunity I get to hang with Isaac. He is truly uh, a net gen and adventurous, I would say. That's the first word that comes to my mind when I think about Isaac. He loves to travel. He loves to work out. He's a super athlete. Um, One of the things I've enjoyed watching him and his buddies uh, when we were out there shoot hoops uh, late, late at night in the desert. I think it was like 45 degrees. So uh, Isaac being tall and lean, of course he dominated and it was fun uh, watching those interactions. Like many young men in my circle, he's also a songwriter. He is gentle and caring, but never weak. 
So as a native Californian, uh, Isaac has already lived there most of his life. And even to be so young, he's lived now in Phoenix, San Diego, Seattle, Europe. I think you'll probably talk about this with the program Work Away. He's lived in Boston, Puerto Rico, and even right now is traveling the nation uh, as we speak. He spent uh, several months there on his Triumph Bonneville T120, the black motorcycle, uh, which we'll chat about today. Super fun. He's never not rolling, (laughs) never stops. Isaac is incredibly compassionate. He loves helping people, as you'll be able to hear in his voice. He's even referred two other young men from his own mentoring circle into my circle for insights on specific needs that those young men had. Yes, Isaac mentors at 25. And um, I appreciate him in the deepest way. And his mom, Shosha, stood with us during some of our darkest moments, uh, Jamie and I both and our daughters. Isaac's even educated me on using healthcare app FitnessPal and has been supportive in my weight loss journey. 20 pounds, by the way. And I have, you know, the extraordinary honor of having many spiritual sons over this 37-year journey. And Isaac is definitely one of those to Jamie and I. Everyone can use a few extra parental figures. Even those with healthy parents, it's always good. Today, this Southern California native opens his soul about both the pain and the progression of having not just one, but two dads who were physically present, but emotionally distant. And Isaac gets uh, incredibly real here, talking about things like how he craved to see the traits in his dads that he wanted in his own life, like humility and sacrificial love. Uh, He talks about who helped with the transfer of masculinity when his dads were emotionally distant, how painful those gaps in his life were. He talks about how multiple mentors, not just one, helped to fill that void. And of course, you guys know how strongly I feel about that. Uh, How he filled the gaps in some unhealthy ways. And we talk about how even having distant dads impacted his sexuality and learning about sexuality, since guys ask about that a lot. And what to do when you find yourself uh, in the hot zone in a sexual moment. Pretty honest about that here. Is it possible to save sex for marriage? Isaac talks about that. And we're also going to hit the point of whether having an emotionally distant dad or dads in his case impacted his porn journey. Interesting. So uh, he talks also about how, how do you handle life if your dad did not make you a priority? What do you do? And is it even possible to invite an emotionally distant dad into your life or even ask him for help? And what would you say to your dad if you could talk about your journey with him? Just really, really good stuff today. I don't want to give it all away. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and cut Isaac loose here. Uh, I think what I love about this the best is not only his wisdom, but his candidness. And regardless, guys, of where you stand with your dad today, I know that something we discuss here is going to resonate with your man's soul. So let's jump right in. Guys, today we're talking about growing up fatherless. And this is episode 12, part two of our Father Wound series. You guys might recall back on the previous episode, part one's topic was growing up fatherless uh, in the Father Wound series. That was episode 11 about uh, dads who have abandoned their families. This one's a little bit different. 
Today, we're talking in part two about emotionally distant dads. And joining me today is my ninth co-host, Isaac Timothy Plintle, as I always call him, known to the outside world, though, as a very outgoing friend, a young leader, creative songwriter, vocalist, guitarist, health and fitness expert, in my opinion, athlete, a lot of things we could say about him. And he'll talk about his profession too, probably, but known to the rest of you as Isaac Plentel. So uh, welcome, Isaac. I'm glad you're here. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Excited to do it. Me too. We both have our morning voices and uh, we'll do the best here to push it out. Today, I'm in Tampa Bay here on Davis Silence, as I usually am, and we're recording remotely through the Anchor app. I'm very grateful to Anchor for uh, how they work that out for us. Have my Starbucks veranda in hand, and Isaac, as uh, we said before we hit record, has his Dunkin' Donuts hazelnut. Sounds pretty good. It's good stuff. Warm and nutty. Uh, now, where are you today? I'm in New Haven, Connecticut. You have lived in Boston and a lot of other places, which we might uh, talk about. So, actually, one thing I do want to do here right at the top, as I do with all of my co-hosts, is just take a minute to talk about how we met and how we became acquainted uh acquainted i don't know why i can't pronounce that word acquainted you know i think it was october of well before covid 19 i remember i was actually riding up uh by the water on my bike and you reached out to me you said something like i know that you mentor and i think you said i'm not sure if you said maybe i have some other mentors but i need a spiritual mentor in my life and i remember thinking isaac uh, you might laugh at this, but I didn't even have to think about it. And I said something like, dude, you're, you're grandfathered in. I mean, I've known you since you were five, five <laughs> years old. So, man, it's an awesome privilege. I mean, that with all my heart and soul, uh, just having you in my circle, you know, like I always say to you're old and I'm really old, but I mean it like with you, it's, it's actually a reality, uh, knowing you pretty much your whole life since you were five. So we had the privilege, I'm just going to say this, and then I'll be quiet and let you talk here for a minute, of hanging out with you and your mom uh, there in Palm Springs. So what was that? February of 20, so right before the lockdown. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad we got to do that. So um, tell me tell me a little bit, though, about what some of your memories are. Probably don't have strong memories way back in the victory days, but if you do, you can mention them. But what about maybe uh, our first meeting or our visit there in California? What what comes back to you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I do remember you distinctly, actually, from when I was four, um, four and five in kindergarten. That's crazy. Because That's I crazy. remember you were the music director, and there was some sort of play that I was a part of. Levi that, Jeans. Levi Jeans, yep, Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I've sent you some pictures watching a video. I'll snap them and send them over to you. And that's funny. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Levi Jeans. And I remember I did a couple piano lessons. Um, you I did. I yeah. were, were you my teacher? My director? No, I don't think so. Uh, I had a little uh, worship team there of young uh, academy members that ranged from age 5 to 12. I think they had to be at least in first grade to be in the worship team. I don't know. If you yeah, were in the word, I, I think I think my piano teacher was a woman, but I remember you would always be walking through. The, That's right. The That's right. And stuff. So I remember that. But those were my first memories of you. And then, of course, I would hang out with Casey and uh, yeah, my middle daughter. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember you from that. 
man. And she would even come to your house, which is where we stayed. I mean, man, you most of your whole life there in that place in Sky Valley, amazing up there. Uh, yeah. Sort of, sort of overlooking high uh, Palm Springs a little bit up there. That's yeah. awesome. Mom I remember that too. And I'm surprised. What's that? My mom just sold the house. It's, uh, Dude, is that that had thing. to be gut wrenching for yeah. you? Now at let's see, are you going on twenty six? Right? Yeah, yeah. Twenty. I'll be six in December. In December. So this whole, dang, the whole, you know, most of your life since you were four or five. That's crazy. Tell me, tell me, just for for fun here. Like, uh, I think you had like a last meeting or even sort of a house closing party with some of your lifelong friends that some of them even went to the academy there or we knew from uh victory yeah yeah exactly we had a i was calling it a house cooling party um <laughs> it, it wasn't a huge thing 10 15 people came over we had food played some games had like a little dance party it was a good time it was a nice little nice little send off to a spot that's been real good to us well, I'm not, I'm not on Facebook this year, but I was logged in there because there's a page that I administrate, and plus I'd rather talk to page. And I, because you and your mom are in my favorites, I it popped up and I saw it, and I and I had mixed feelings. I didn't even live there, but just knowing that Casey would come up there and Jamie was friends with Shosh, and and um, you know just the memories there, which you have multiplied by thousands, of course. So. That's cool. And thanks for saying that. Tell me a little bit here. We'll take a couple minutes. Just tell me about your life up to this point, your uh, music career so far, uh, college in Arizona, life in yeah. dating, just how any of that's going that you'd like to share. So these guys can get to know you for a minute. I know that you, uh, more than anybody I've ever walked with, I love adventure and you love to travel on uh, working out all those things. So just uh, talk a little bit about you for a second. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Little little intro. I grew up in Palm Springs, California, and which is a desert, and I spent my whole life there, um, which was a huge blessing because I grew up with the same the same guys my whole life. So I have a lot of I have a handful of like lifelong friends, which is cool. Um, I went to college at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, and I studied Christian theology, and. Um, that's also a desert there in Phoenix. Yeah, it <laughs> um, is. <laughs> and while desert. I was at GCU, I discovered a couple of passions. Um, my my Christian theology degree is really it, what was valuable. Valuable about it is it taught me. It it really assisted in teaching one how to think. Um, and so that's kind of my my biggest thank you to GCU is how to think. And a few a few passions were discovered along the way too namely missions work i i did a lot of volunteer work with yes. like refugee children and stuff and so now i know that's like what my whole life is gearing towards yeah. i want to do, i want to do full-time missions work um and, and music i played in like a little worship night thing that i led it was just a humble little thing um but i also uh went out to nashville for a summer to do inner city missions as a result of this discovery yeah. and i recorded a little ep there and it was just a fun little thing but as a result over the past couple of years i've uh really fallen in love with making music piano uh guitar singing songwriting all that kind of stuff coming out of college i realized that um there was a lot of world that i had never seen and so <laughs> i resolved to 
moved to different what I called cultural biomes where people just did life a little bit differently than they did in the desert of the Southwest America yes, yes. world. And so I want to drinks <laughs> exactly exactly and, and phoenix feels like a bigger version it's just more people yeah. you know? um but i wanted to see the pacific northwest and a historical east coast town and small town america all these places that like you you read about you know that there's distinct subcultures there and i had just never even seen them and so upon graduating, I moved to San Diego to get my beach culture in. Then I moved to Seattle, to my Pacific Northwest. Then I moved to um, Europe, where I lived in a bunch of different countries doing um, this thing called Work Away, which is like a cultural exchange. It's basically a way to travel really cheaply. It, it, you live with locals, and they cover your food and housing. And super cool um, program. So I did that for a while. Then I moved to Boston to get my historical East Coast town. Uh, <laughs> then I moved to Puerto Rico to get my island life. Um, and then I spent the last couple months off of my motorcycle full time, where I went from Boston to uh, Cal- Southern California really slowly over about two and yeah. a half months. Went through all the northern states and such. And That was so fun watching, too, by the way. It really was. All all of those things that you mentioned, I remember every every single city. Uh, But the motorcycle journey was uh, just phenomenal to watch how you juggled that and work. And just, you know, what an experience that I think every young man would dream about having, actually. (laughs) It was uh, it was genuinely euphoric. It was um, I think particularly what separated it from some of my other adventures is it was extremely difficult. Whereas some of the other ones, they, I mean, like I always knew where I was going to be sleeping. Whereas on the motorcycle trip, it was like every single step was difficult. I was so like the weather would destroy me. <laughs> yeah, like at least every other day. <laughs> you, and like, I, I just had to get like accustomed to like, I don't know if you've ever ridden much Mark, but it, it well, is, it in is my younger scary. years, I did have a Harley, and my college roommate had a Yamaha Virago. So, yeah, I have. Go ahead. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, <laughs> you know them. E- even if you love it, there is, like, a healthy sense of fear that you have. Oh, heck yes. And so <laughs> yes. having that sense of fear for two and a half months straight, like, you really really become kind of accustomed to just fear in your everyday life. And Every it's, day. It's a bit exhausting. <laughs> Um, dude sometimes we would be texting and you're like i don't even know where i'm staying tonight or i'm off in a field that i don't know who owns but here i am and what one time you had this picture what i think it was a teepee right yeah or it, I, it looked I, I like a, a teepee i found a teepee one time on airbnb <laughs> and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna oh, get yes. wi-fi to work because i because I, I worked the whole time I, I yeah you did education and i i uh <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the Wi-Fi to work, but I guess I can hotspot it if I have to. <laughs> uh, but it worked out fine. The hosts were super nice, super generous. The lady actually picked a bunch of strawberries from her garden, brought them out to me oh, and stuff. Yeah. They were nice. So, Well, so tell me in 30 seconds about your bike, because I, I know these dudes will want to know. For sure. Yeah. So it's a it, it, think like Captain America callback. It's a uh, Triumph Bonneville T120 Black. It's a 2017, but the motorcycle uh, itself and its style were popularized in the 60s and early 70s. Yeah. Um, so, like, it, it even has, like, a fake uh, carburetor on it. You know, like, it It just, it, it's such a slick bike. Um, Matt, Matt Gray with brown leather yes. seat. 
and um, but it has all the modern bells and whistles. So it has like heated handles and electronic cruise control. And uh, I, I love it to death. It's 1200 CC. So it's got pickup and it's a perfect bike for me. I remember when you sent the photo. So yeah, you can go to Isaac's Instagram to see that by the way, uh, which is what Isaac, what's your, uh... Isaac underscore Timothy, I S A A C underscore Timothy. Yeah, that's right. On Instagram. So, Facebook too, probably, but Instagram for sure, where most of you dudes are. That's so cool. So, man, and that adventure just ended. Now you're uh, still traveling, but you're in your car, so that's totally different. What'd you say last night? It's it's not as glamorous. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not, living not out as of- uh, not as sexy to talk about, but yeah. Not, now I'm doing. Uh, now I'm living on the road still, but in my car for the next few months. Just uh, in my Altima. Yeah, my my diesel Altima. Just explore. I've never been to a lot of the southern states, Louisiana, Alabama, stuff like that. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, spend some time going through them. Well, dude, if you get close to Nashville, I might have to drive up there since you're not coming to Tampa. But hey, it would be great to see your face. I always ask guys, it's my custom, about your current mentoring. And I always preface this little short section here by saying, you know, it's not going to be like mine. I've been doing this, wow, in a, in a couple of weeks here, it'll be 38 years. I've been helping young men and mentoring, and I can't even describe the joy of that journey. So it won't be like mine. You won't have 28 uh, active guys that you're talking to, but even if it's one, or maybe it's nobody right now, uh, I do happen to know because we're close, is that you do mentor on a regular basis, and even a couple of your guys, which is cool, you referred to me, and you're like, hey, they're they're going through a couple things where maybe you're not as experienced or haven't, you know, you wanted to refer them to somebody who's journeyed further, which I find extraordinarily powerful that you are willing to do that, but just... Uh, Give me an update there on your mentoring heart because I know you have that and, and how that's going. Yeah, totally. So I was just chatting with one of my buddies about this last night because I, I think that they're the I would define the relationship that I have with most of the guys as um, a mentoring friend figure. Um, yes. Like it's it's because I'm 25. So most of the guys are similar to my age and there's something of a, like, I have the distinct honor of like pouring into them pretty often. Um, yes. And so like what you, you were talking about, yeah. Like with a couple of the guys, it's, there's certain things that age just provides perspective on that. I, I can't. Um, and so there certainly is an element of like, Hey, I want to walk with you and like be present with you as long as much as I can, but they're, they're, I I do a blind spot. And so those are the types of guys I shoot on over to you. Um, but yeah, I would say that there's like four or five guys who I actively talk to where there's a real sense of like pouring into an encouragement and uh, spiritual professional assistance of that, of that sort. I love that. And, and two of them, I won't mention their names and since I didn't get their permission, but um I've been able to know and journey with as well. And I absolutely love those connections. That's really, you probably know this, Isaac, but that's really how I started. And again, this is not a comparison where you're going to end up like me. That's never it. But in my 20s, I started mentoring and I was mentoring young men who were my age and some men who were older. And I've said this in other podcasts, but it's not about age. It's about your journey and your journey has been powerful um, up to this point, your legacy. 
you know, with God, your walk with God. So, man, I'm super happy to hear that. I could spend a whole hour talking about that. Today's topic, as I mentioned earlier, is emotionally distant dads. And man, in, you know, in 37 years of doing this, almost 38, uh, as you know, I've talked with tons of young men whose dads were physically present, but they were emotionally absent. And man, that can be painful to be around uh, a father figure that you love and you, I'm just going to say crave, because I think we all do, crave to connect in a, in a deeper way, but for whatever reason, and it's different with every dad, they won't or, or Isaac, maybe they can't, like they just don't know how. So in the previous episode, episode 11 there with Christopher growing up fatherless, uh, Chris's dad was, was emotionally present for a while, but then just totally checked out and, and abandoned them, totally left. Uh, but your situation is different. So uh, I'm going to also preface here by saying, uh, like I did in episode 11, it's not our goal or heart in any way, shape or form to hurt any of the feelings of any dads, especially yours, and you have two, which we'll talk about. So we're going to use care in how we, uh, you know, market this podcast and where we share it, because that's not our goal. Uh, many dads, including yours, have, you know, done their best up to this point, uh, I'm guessing, and maybe they just didn't have great role models or somebody to really father them and teach them. So I know I'm just going to say it real bluntly here. This is a huge step for Isaac, as long as I've known him for 20 some years now to, to share these experiences, these experiences. And there is some vulnerability here. So a little bit of a spoiler alert though. I have, you know, seen you your whole life and know how you've grown despite uh, your dad's being emotionally distant at times. And we'll talk about that. So I have to ask though, um, I'm just going to launch you out here and let you talk and tell your story. But probably the first question is, how did you end up having two dads? Yes, that that is an explanation that because I don't have <laughs> two gay fathers. I have um, <laughs> I didn't a, even mother, that, didn't a, a mother who married twice <laughs> um, at separate times <laughs> also. So it was leave, it, leave it up to that, Jens, to have to mention that. OK, that's yeah, cool. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so my mom. And my biological father divorced when I was two, and then she remarried when I was four, and then she was married to um, my stepdad for like fifteen years. Um, so he was the the one who was married to my mom while I was growing and maturing. Most of your life, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So okay. that's how that happened. Okay, and one of your dads uh, was in ministry, like my dad too, right? Yeah, my biological dad was a pastor for yeah, uh, quite a while. Mm-hmm. Well, so this might be a generalized question to just kind of launch this out here, but if you can, you know, maybe some of des- describe some of the emotions that that hit you. I know you said you were two when they divorced, but some of the emotions that hit you uh, growing up through your your boyhood there in Sky Valley and Palm Springs and your teens, and even now, just realizing as a 25 year old almost 26 hey i i love my dads but they for whatever reason again no criticism were emotionally distant and haven't connected in the way that i crave kind of just launch out there and let's just jump in the deep end of the pool here then we'll we'll narrow it down sure sure i think i think to preface 
my experience, it's important to understand I have always known that both of my dads love me. I've never yeah. felt unloved or um, forgotten. I think the crux of my what's been difficult for me as I've as I've grown and be and I've become more of an adult is recognizing that there is a lot of potential that was never fulfilled and more pointedly I think a lot about the type of man I want to be and I want to see my dad be the type of man I want to be mm. and that's part of your craving yeah yeah and I think that that would just be so good for my soul to have like to have a to have one of my dads or, or both of my dads be someone that I can like deeply respect um as a man holistically so as a father as a uh, husband as a worker um you know cuz men men place a lot of value on on their work yes, uh, every absolutely. a lot of everybody does but men in particular like there's a lot of like that idea of breadwinning and um so that through the years, as I've grown to understand what I believe it means to like be a, a good man, and as that's evolved along with my relationship with both my dads and understanding them deeper, um, yes. there's been some deep frustrations in that. Okay. Evolution of understanding. Yeah, yeah, and I've and I've been able to to witness that and. We've had many conversations about it, of course. So, you know, thanks for launching that um, and, ex and explaining it and giving us a good uh, place to, to jump in here. I, I have to ask this. So, you know, you're still very young in terms of just, you know, the long life that you have ahead. And as I've talked with young men, you know, we all hear voices as men. <laughs> you said, you know, about your work, you hear voices about your work. So I have to ask, you know, during these years of boyhood and your teens and, and being in Arizona and now that you're in your 20s, so what voices do you hear in your head about your dads? Uh, you kind of described it there, but go into detail a little bit more, your wishes and uh, woulda, shoulda, couldas, if I could say it that way, uh, when they were distant. Like, what do you hear inside? What what thoughts do you have to capture and, and nab that, so they don't send you uh, into darker places, if I can say it that way? Sure. Well, when I think about traits I really, really respect in – I'm very close with my mom. I love my mom. So there's not really a way for me to separate my relationship with my dads from the way that I saw that they were husbands. Like they, that those are just like tied in my brain. Dude, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and so I think anytime some sort of reflection on, on trait personality traits comes up that has to do with, um, like pride slash humility and like sacrificial love. Those are things that always trigger thoughts on my dad's. Mm. Um, wow. cause you don't feel like you witnessed that like you wanted to. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Um, with my, with my biological dad, I just, to this day, like, I don't feel like I have super high expectations. Like to this day that there, I, I just wish I would hear him say, I'm sorry. I, I like, I goofed this. This was yeah. not the way I should have done things and just leave it there. 
not blame anybody else, not blame my mom, not blame the government, not blame anybody, (laughs) but just say like, this was my responsibility. I messed it up big time. This was wrong. This is not how a man should act. And there's genuinely no excuse for that. Um, What would that do for you if, if he could and would do that? Very acutely. It would give me respect, deep respect for him because I know that every man wants to be respected. And certainly I would imagine a father yeah. wants to be respected by his sons. And oh, I, and, and I want to give that to my dads. I want to give respect to my dads, but I would have to be pretending to give them the, the level of respect. I'm not just talking about like respect as a human being. Of course I respect that, but like I'm talking about that deep admir- uh, admiration, that deep respect that like, I want to be like you type of respect. Yeah. The real father son connection. Right. From the gut. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I have that um in various degrees with different mentors with you. And there's two other two other mentors that I talk to regularly, um, which have been a huge blessing because I've seen what that can look like to like see see traits in an older man that you're like, I want to emulate that and have that be a part of my my growth. Yes. Uh, and I like I want to give that to both my dads, but with my biological dad, this idea of humility is just that would just go so far. And then with my stepdad, basically what happened there is they got married really quick and he, he started moving up to Washington for summers to work. And then three months became six, became 10 soon. He was just coming down to visit. And so I remember talking to him when he told me that they were going to get divorced. And I remember saying, dad, the husband is to the wife as Christ is to the church. And you think, think about how Christ was to the church. It was underscored. Everything was underscored by a sacrificial love. There was a sense of giving up everything for the sake yes. of pride. Yes. And I was, I, and I just did not see that in my stepdad, this like sacrificial, there was very much a sense of because she is this type of wife, I am now this type of husband. Do you understand oh, that? Oh man. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, so that really influenced me from from that moment when when I understood that that was the way he saw this relationship was reactive. That has actually mm. become a very positive reflection for me that I've been able to talk to a lot of the guys about. Look, decide what type of man you want to be or fill in the blank, what type of son you want to be, what type of employee you want to be, what type of boyfriend, mm. husband, whatever you want to be and be the best you can be at that regardless of what the counterpart to that relationship is doing. Wow. Be the best employee you can be, regardless of what type of boss your boss is being. And this is biblically supported by the idea of Hosea. Of course, it's supported by God and Jesus. Absolutely. More as a a human, Hosea, which if y'all aren't familiar with the story of Hosea, he was a prophet. Just a real brief on him. He was a prophet that God made go marry a hooker. and, (laughs) And she kept doing her hooker thing. She, she was a prostitute. She kept doing her prostitute thing. And Jose would go out every day and bring her back and would have to walk through town with her. Everybody saw him. Everybody knew what was happening. There's a deep sense of shame there. But, but the idea that God was communicating was this is how I treat Israel. And now the application would be this is how I treat the church. And um, the extended metaphor, the Bible so holistically poetic. It's beautiful. 
is this is how a husband should treat a wife, that there's a deep Mm -hmm. sense of sacrifice, even to the point, I believe, of what the the red pill man empowerment would probably call um, something embarrassing, you know, Um, (laughs) I I do believe that that like that sense of sacrifice in the man Mm. needs to be absolute. And I don't think that that gets reserved or shelved as soon as you start to feel um, a sense of emasculation because emasculation is as much of a a reflection of you as it is. Yeah. As it is the external actions or or absolutely happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Dude, that that's amazing. And just for you to be able to articulate that about, both of your dads at 25 i admire it hugely i love that you mentioned your mom um you know jamie and i love her very much she's an amazing uh, person woman and obviously a mother and, you know, we've stayed there uh, in your, well, her previous home now, a little sad. And, you know, we just have incredible utmost respect for her and how she raised you and your siblings. So, uh, but even even saying that, as I said in the previous episode with Chris, mom can never replace dad. Mm-hmm. So a female cannot transfer masculinity to a male. And by masculinity, my guys who follow me know it's not about football or racing or that I like blue instead of pink. It's, it's masculinity is you being comfortable in your skin mm-hmm. and, and executing that. Like you talked about how you live your life. That's, that's what masculinity is. Mm-hmm. So just like a dad uh, cannot transfer femininity to his daughters. I mean, I raised three girls never once did I transfer uh, femininity or very much of it. Uh, what, what was it like for you then? I have to ask this, you know, not having dads who were emotionally connected, for that transfer of masculinity during your teens, during those years of maturing, you know, like 13 to, to college, especially, um, without that connection, how did you get to where you are now? Because you, uh, again, using masculinity in a proper way, you definitely have that in the way you live your life. You're very comfortable in your Isaac skin, you know, what your strengths are. How, how did you get there without that connection with your dad's? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is probably the part of the conversation that makes me the most sad because to answer it, I have to reflect on where I think there were gaps, which is just a painful thing to, well, guess what my next question was, how did you fill the gaps? So do it, (laughs) go for it. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think it's pretty holistic. So they're, they're tied. Um, My mom did the best she could on the things that a father would do, but she sure did. I, I, I was never taught how to shave. Like, I think one of my dads, by the time I was like 16, was like, Hey, let me teach you how to shave. I'm like, dude, I've been, I figured this out two years ago, you know, um, too late. Yeah. But I was never taught how to shave. I was never taught by them how to change a tire. I was never taught how to speak to women. And my mom did the best that she could. She tried to 
she gave me books which sounds sounds clinical but i was a huge reader so it was it was no you are yeah Um, and she she recognized that (laughs) yeah yeah she was super open with my independence so always she never tried to stifle me or anything like that. And so that led to <laughs> developing um, my first mentor relationship pretty quickly when I was in high school. Cause it, I think it's important to say the grace of God just was so, so on me. Like the Holy spirit <laughs> just gave me yeah. revelations and understandings that I did not deserve. And I did not even frankly seek mm. out that heavily. But like by the time I was 15, I was like, I know I need a male figure in my life that wow. can, guide me and just like provide me some insight because I'm not getting that. And I know I need that. And dude, I have guys who are 25 that can't see that yet. They don't see the need for it. Go ahead. (laughs) And that's just totally the blessing of God because I don't, Mm. (laughs) I certainly wasn't like a particular, it's not like I was some super insightful, brilliant 15 year old, you know, it was just the the grace of God. And so that's where my first mentor relationship came in. Um, with one of my, he was a teacher in my, uh, Mr. Paul. <laughs> so funny. Cause I'm 25. I still call him Mr. Paul. Uh, <laughs> he always tells me to call him Joshua, but I'm like, see, no. I was going to say, does he try to stop you? Cause yeah, yeah he, he, I do the same too, thing. It's just so weird for me. Cause both, both my other mentors were my teachers. So it's Mr. Paul, Mr. Miller. It's just weird for there me to go. try to switch. <laughs> um, but that was a huge thing starting to move into those relationships because Mr. Miller joined in while I was in college. And then there was another one in college that is now inactive. Um, but that was a huge part of how to fill the gap. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think to summarize, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but to summarize, no, you're good. My, Go my mom was proactive and she did the best that she could straight up the grace of God, preserving me, giving me, giving me insight that I don't think I would have had otherwise early and proactive pursuit of mentor relationships. I think that those healed a lot of the, without those things, I would, I would have a lot more, (laughs) I would have a lot more issues, I think. Uh, (laughs) Well, and that's what you did with me. Like, uh, again, uh, a certain percentage of young men that came into my circle came to me and said, I need a mentor. Uh, I think it's about 15% and you were one of those. So it's not very many that have the nerve or the, even be able to recognize that they need one to go to someone and say, Hey, would you walk with me? That's exactly what you did. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember me saying that or uh, what the, the way I framed that to you. Um, but cause I had seen that you had been doing mentoring very actively and stuff on social media. And I just moved to Europe with uh, my buddy. Right. And I remember Manny. Yeah. Lo- love that guy. He, <laughs> I love Manny. <laughs> we, we were talking about mentorship and I told him, I, I mean, I basically gave the spiel that I gave earlier about my mentor situation. And at the time we weren't actively talking. So I had two and I remember telling him, I think uh, there's this, this guy, Mark, that I know from way back that I think uh, the Lord's leading me out to just to more flesh out my, 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 uh, mentor voices in my life. And so that's when I reached out, I was like, Hey, I think, uh, I think God's telling me that I should pursue a, a more intentional relationship with you. And in hindsight, it's so cool because you and Mr. Paul and Mr. Miller, you're all so different. Um, so like, that's good though. If I ever have a major <laughs> issue, I, I call all of you and I get very different perspectives and it's really cool. I, I enjoy it a lot. No, dude, that's the um, way to do it. Multiple mentors. Absolutely. A million percent. Do I believe in that? Yes, indeed. 
Oh my gosh. For sure. So it's interesting because on the last two or three times where there was some big issue where I had to call all of you, pretty much everybody had a different perspective, but got to a similar result, which I think is totally the grace of God too. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. It's been, dude, just think what a a well-rounded man soul that gives you when you have, uh, people scraping off the corners of your soul (laughs) different corners like no that's super healthy and uh guys who know me like you know how i feel about multiple mentors that's the way it works we're all we have the same goal is to journey with you so i love hearing that because i feel like those men um i'm just gonna say it have helped fill that huge emptiness that void in your you know what i call the man tank and that that's kind of an emotional set of parameters and beliefs like you said earlier ideas and values and those internal thoughts that we form in our teens uh, that you should get walking with dad or dads uh, that you got from other healthy males so i have to ask this here um, also so a lot of guys in your situation and there's many would also fill that void in unhealthy ways so I have to ask, did you, you know, have any unhealthy ways that you attempted to fill that void with your dad's, uh, I'm not sure how else to ask it. Like, uh, we all go through things in our teens and especially in our, uh, later teens and college years, but were there any unhealthy ways that you want to share if you choose to, that you, uh, attempted to, to fill in that void and ma- and cover the pain of the lack of connection? Sure. Yeah. I think one way that I, I still actually perhaps more, more sharply than ever before I'm dealing with now, um, is that of ego. Um, I've been reflecting on this a lot because I think in some, like everybody deals with ego, but in some sense, there's a sharpness to the battle of ego when you don't have like the sense of affirmation from your dad's that you want you Uh, say sharpness yeah there's there's a sharpness in that um that battle because i think there's a part of me that's always craving um like i would say as a whole i'm i'm pretty confident in who i am and i feel like good about myself and stuff like that but there's definitely 100 percent uh uh an unhealthy side to that. Like one thing I like about the Enneagram, like no, no personality test is perfect. Right. But one thing I like about the Enneagram is it says it has, you have some neutral traits here. They are. And so that could be like charisma or uh, general confidence or something like that. And it says, here's what it looks like when those are positively manifested. And here's what it looks like when they're negatively manifested. And I can see that battle in me surrounding these traits. Wow. Um, and I know that the the root of it is I have this egotistical like drive for affirmation from lots of people that I think um, in some ways probably stems from not having a... Yeah. really grounded relationship with my father's because there's it it ties back to wanting to see your dad as the type of of man that you want to be 
Um, when you combine those, I think kind of the result that it's, it's come to for me is there is a sense of wanting to push and grow and strive and do things and become someone that like more for ego's sake than just for growth's sake wants to be a better man than my, my dad. So the, those closest to you can say, wow, Isaac, you're amazing or what you did was amazing or your accomplishments amazing or how you look and and every man young man has that that's part of our male ego but you're saying you feel like it was uh, larger and a uh it's more active if we could say it that way in your life right now as a 20 something because of of your dad's not filling that part of your man's soul that is part of the dad's task i'm just going to say it is to affirm and oh gosh Isaac that's that's one of the biggest issues I found in mentoring and you know that is guys were not fully affirmed I know you said you were loved but that's a different thing in affirming the man that you are and the gifts that you have and drawing those out of you day by day week by week month by month year by year yeah when you don't have that you're going to crave it big time and and I love how you said that kind of a sharpness i also love it that you're even able to see it and articulate it at 25 and it's not a terrible thing because guess what you get to work on right, right. um yeah the, and I, I just have to say this in knowing you and having you in our lives and loving you all these years that uh, even though you say you have that like guys whenever you get near isaac there's also this sense of humility like you said earlier in the podcast by the grace of God, you're, you're here. And that always shows in your life. And I have to say that. So every 20 something is braggadocious <laughs> and dude, guys, my age are braggadocious. That's just part of being a man. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to uh, take a break here uh, and jump into part two. But when we come back, uh, I have an important question for you uh, as you know guys ask me about sexuality every single day that's the biggest topic they ask me about so one thing we're going to talk about uh when we come back from the break is how you made up for your dad's being distant in terms of how you learned about sexuality as a teen because that's a huge factor that shapes us as young men and we'll we'll hit that topic up after the break thanks guys we'll be right back I know besides being auditory, many young men are visual, and you might be a visual learner, and you like to read for yourself. So as I do in most of our episodes, today I want to encourage you to go over to I'dRatherTalk.com and check out 25 Tips for Fathers of Sons. It's under the parenting menu there, so it's easy to find. So you say, oh, hey, I'm not a parent. Not yet anyways, Um, maybe you're a son, and as you've listened to this podcast, you're crying out to experience some of those things that you missed out on with your dad, and you're going to find those uh, in this post. So if your dad can't or couldn't or won't or wouldn't be there, then of course um, I'm standing with you 
uh, with all my heart that you'll find healthy father figures or mentors to encourage you, to journey with you, to love you in healthy ways uh, and emotionally connect with you like your dad should. So uh, young men, dads to be, I really think you'll identify with this post as I'm recording here. I'm actually just kind of scrolling down through the article and you know it's easy to forget the conviction that you felt in your soul when you wrote something this was uh maybe three or four years ago but there's some great stuff in here gentlemen how to give your son space uh, how to be transparent with him honesty teaching him about money uh, conversations about sex when to have them how to have them helping him set his own boundaries you know he's more likely to to say in the boundaries if he sets them not you when to be in the cockpit and when to let him fly on his own, what to do when you don't agree, how to, um, yeah, how to offer words of affirmation and show affection. So no sons, you say, well, um, that's me too, except for my spiritual sons. If you have daughters, I've also written 25 tips for fathers of daughters, real similar posts, but geared towards girls. I do write conversationally, as you know if you've been over there to the website, so these are easy reads, and as I always promise, there is a graphic or picture in every thumb swipe for you visual millennials and net gens. These posts are great, and I don't say that because I wrote them, but they're chock full of powerful wisdom and ideas. I mean, hey, I wouldn't put these out there, and I wouldn't extend the wisdom if I didn't believe in them myself, right, in a, in a humble way. So definitely check those out if you like to read 25 Tips for Fathers of Sons and 25 Tips for Fathers of Daughters. Feel free to let me know what you think, guys. Check it out. And if you want to learn more about me and why I mentor and why I'd Rather Talk exists, you can jump over to I'dRatherTalk.com and there you can check out my bio, learn why I'd Rather Talk even exists, why it's around, and find some wisdom and life hacks for you as a young man. Again, on the 12 topics that guys ask me about the most, uh, leadership, mentoring, destiny, you know, finding your way in life, thought life, boundaries, those are important. How to have male friendships, how to have female friendships, dating, sexuality. I get asked about that literally every day because that's on our minds. Marriage, parenting, um, budgeting your money, and of course, uh, your journey with God, sonship with God. You don't have to give your names uh, of your kids on my website. Yeah, I don't need the last four of your social. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just go over there and check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. You're listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. Hey, gentlemen, we are back from the break. Thanks again for hanging in there with us today um, for episode 12 on emotionally distant dads. This is part of our two-part father wound series. Hopefully, you've listened to episode 11 with Christopher Medichow there, psychologist and a young millennial talking about his completely absent dad after the age of nine. So uh, check that one out if you haven't. But today we're with Isaac Timothy Plentel, known to most of you as Isaac. And we're talking about uh, his two dads, actually, emotionally distant dads. So we're going to just jump back in where we were. 
I think I mentioned right before the break there, Isaac, that um, as you probably know, the biggest thing that guys ask me about is sexuality. That's because it's on our mind 16.8 times a day, according to a, a, a poll or a pretty extensive survey from Ohio State University, something that you and I have talked about quite a bit and every other dude in my circle. So because of that and because of how it is a part of our life, I just wanted to ask you, and I think I mentioned before the break, you and your dad's not having those, you know, what we would call close and personal talks that all of us guys want to have. How did you learn about sexuality? How did you uh, grow in that area and arrive to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. It's a, uh, it's an interesting thing because you, you, sexuality is so personal and um, there's so many ways that it manifests in our persona. Like it's not just about sex, right? Like there's right, a lot right. associated with sexuality. Like just the, the way that you carry yourself is mm-hmm. like, can, is tied a lot to sexuality too. It's just that, so to not have like a really open conversation with my dad's about it was definitely frustrating over the years. I think I was really fortunate in that I did love to read. And so I think I probably had the blessing of learning from the wisdom of these people who, who wrote books and yes. um, just kind of like provided some insight and guidance into why I was feeling the way that I felt, um, how to deal with some of the feelings. And my mom tried to talk to me about it. It was super weird um, <laughs> and uncomfortable. She's and awesome, not... but yes, it would be weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, from I and I didn't realize this until later, but from you know movies and well, one one really uh, poignant example in my mind was I grew up in the same school, so I was like around the same girls for ever um from like third grade to to my senior year and again I didn't realize this until later but I really thought based on like music videos and movies and stuff like that that the way to interact with a girl that you thought was attractive was just to just basically keep being there like just keep not pressure, but something softer than pressure, just be really like, like super persistent, like, and eventually she'd like you, you know? And it's like, in terms of pursuing her then. Yeah. It sounds like pursuing. Yeah. Okay. But pursuing sounds more noble than like, (laughs) what's the word you're headed for? Like just weird. Like just, you're always there, like always flirting and, you're just like this weird <laughs> high school kid who like doesn't know how to talk to girls. That's exactly what it was. Um, and, you know, I, of course, I wish some of that could have been avoided. I love that you're bringing it up, though, because it is a part of sexuality. Even though you didn't say sex in the last two minutes, it's definitely a part of sexuality. It proves what you just said, that it's it's such a broader part of our man psyche, if we can set, use that word. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, the way that you interact with girls, that's where like a lot of that, that number one, that's the foundation for everything else. You know, that's the foundation for, are you going to kiss her? Are you going to go further? And, and that's also the, the, um, 
um, that's what people see, you know? So that's, that's where a lot of the ego comes in because people don't, you know, when it's just you and her, people don't see that. What people see is the way that she pays attention to you in public. So which, which matters when you're in your twenties. Right. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's, there's a sense of ego there a hundred percent. Um, and that, that's like a, an ego tied to sexuality. So it's all, you know, we, we've talked about it many times. And I, I think one thing that's really important that I always say when I, when I do talk about this is that sexuality is holistic. It's, you know, it's not just compartmentalized. You don't just turn it off and on. It's like, it's weaved into parts of your life. And as a result of that, you have to be very conscious of the way that you're like carrying yourself, where your thought life is leading you, because you just start thinking differently when you get in the hot zone, you know, oh, so definitely. It's, like, <laughs> it, it, it's like you, you have to, yeah. mm-hmm. by the grace of the Holy spirit, like, and I, I actively try to invite the Holy spirit into my situations and my conversations and stuff, because otherwise you just don't think straight, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's been one of the biggest helps in the last few years. Cause I'm, I'm trying to save, sex until marriage and i've i've done it so far it's been pretty difficult yeah. at times but Absolutely. Mm. i think that uh, that's something that really honors honors god and will will honor my wife and absolutely uh, and my own mm. body uh according to no i love how you said that your own body too not just your wife and you know in this culture the me too culture as well I hate it that we've made people sex objects, not just women, but dudes as well. Uh, Instagram has helped with that. TikTok for sure. Not not just social media, but, you know, making people sex objects. And that young woman, that young man is somebody's son or daughter or somebody's future mom or dad. So I love it that you that you said, uh, thinking about your own body as well, that you value and treasure yourself. That's awesome. And one thing, I hope it's all right for me to say publicly, but you also, I don't, I don't know what your interactions are with your other two mentors, but when you're in a tight spot, sometimes you'll text me and you have said that that just kind of blows the lid off. It, it helps you if you're in the hot zone. Hey, I'm in the hot zone. And just somebody else knowing that uh, makes a difference for you. Sometimes yeah. I think that type of accountability is even better than some of the software that's out there. I'm not against the software, porn software, whatever, because it does help. And I've been a, a zillion accountability partners for young men over the years, and I love it. But that, that type of just texting somebody and saying, hey, I'm in a difficult situation here, and just knowing somebody's standing with you. I have some other guys that are doing that now between themselves, not just with me, but between their peers, each other. So, you know, guys ask me about porn quite a bit too, and you and I have had some of those conversations. And I was just wondering if you're able to say publicly, like, do you think that any of that emotional separation has impacted your porn journey as a young man or, or maybe not? Like how, how does that all fit into that uh, sexual fibers of your life? Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am very grateful for the uh, mentor relationships that I have and the, um, Christian buddies that I have where we can kind of chat about it because like like you said yeah if, if you just 
have a moment where you can just like shoot out a text, just having people know that you're feeling tempted, like alleviates it a lot. And I think that that's really important. And I wish I do. I do wish that my dads and I would have had a more open conversation about like how to navigate through this as I, as I grew up. You wish you could have talked about it. Right. Right. But beyond that, it's honestly one of those things for me where it's like, you don't know what you don't know. So I don't know how it would have (laughs) changed. Um, Like, I don't feel like, like I haven't watched, I haven't watched porn in quite a while now. And so like, I don't like, I don't really know how it would have affected me. And I don't feel like I'm super adversely affected by not talking about it with them. Um, I don't think you are either. I I don't as a friend and mentor. I just wanted to ask and see your soul yeah. was go ahead buddy sorry i stepped on uh, yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it yeah. right there well so thanks for sharing that because those are personal things but again if somebody could be in my head for a week and hear the questions that young men ask me almost every single day it's along those lines because man you said it so well uh it's not just about sex or sexual release it's it's a part of our whole being and fiber as men and women have their own set of sexual feelings and sexuality but you know, since we're mentoring men and helping young men, we're talking about guys here. So this is kind of a loaded question that's been rolling around in my mind as we've been planning for this podcast and thinking about it. And I'm just going to throw it out there and you can address it however you want. So what do you feel you know, are the biggest impacts that you felt from having emotionally distant dads, and in your case too, so maybe it's double whammy, but if you could lay out on the table, here's how that separation impacted me. What, what, how would you word it? What would you tell these guys? I think the biggest impact... Um, came down to the way that I think about, and I, I like briefly mentioned this earlier, um, which makes sense because if it's the biggest impact, it's tied into my thought process. Um, I, I think the biggest impact is the way that I think about my role in X relationship in whatever, whatever relationship that I'm in um, because of the way that I saw my dad's handle their relationships um, exactly yeah. romantic and with me it indelibly tattooed the question into my mind of what type of blank am i being um wow that's kind of a big deal i mean i think that's i mean every every day you're interacting with someone unless you're on the you know, Bonneville and somebody's field somewhere, <laughs> but, um, but that's huge. Yeah. And I know you're a young leader as well. We didn't really talk about this at the opening of the podcast, but you're a leader as well. And at 25 and looked up to, weren't you uh GCU, uh, what do you call that? Uh, in the door. Gosh, that's an, an, an RA. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Gosh, I was going to yeah. say RI. All right, think there we go. Yeah. So even as a younger man in the leadership role, that's really cool. So are your dads, are either one of them currently active in your life? Do you guys 
have conversations? Yeah, so, Do you talk, text, see each other? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm in touch with both of them. I'm not like estranged from either of them. Um, yeah, the really neither of them. I don't have like a a problem relationship with either of them. You know, it's just like I'm very much about like I like to see things as they could be. I'm very much proactive in my relationships as a whole. And so I think that that's at this point, now that I'm 25 and not like in the house and growing up still, um, it's more of a, like, I, I, I understand what the relationships could have been. And that's kind of, um, it's not quite there. I don't think. Um, Do you feel like now that you're a, a man instead of a teen or a boy that, you have the strength and the ability to, if you want to, I'm not saying that you have to, but to, how can I say this, sort of build a bridge toward them. And not that it would be how you wanted it to be, but maybe it would be how it could best be in in the 21st century. Like, is yeah. that even possible? Can, can you build bridges toward them? Are they in healthy places where you want to do that? I know those are loaded questions again, but I, I know some guys that, that really don't want it to be better. And then I've had some, uh, Tim Webb comes to my mind how his dad's passed now and we just worked together on him building bridges with his dad. And he, he's so glad he did. Yeah. Um, but it's different for every dude. So like even your experience, as we talk about it here in a second, may not be every guy's like, are you wanting it to improve as men now that you're all men or, is the past the past and you're, you're just comfortable. You're good. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Um, I think about this a lot because again, again, it is tied to what my role is in the relationship and it's, I haven't figured it out, honestly, Mark, because I, I don't know how, like if we've come up to this point and this is the status of the relationships, I don't know how, appropriate or how much responsibility I should take to, yes. to like push and, and to try to like, uh, to try to involve them and talk to them and invite them to do things more. And because like uh, the whole time I was growing up, the onus was basically just on them, you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't there in the way that I would have like hoped for. And so right. it's like, it's, at some point I have to recognize that like I can push and push, but there is. And so I do Mm -hmm. run the danger. If I, if I really try to push and build bridges too hard and like I could get burned out and feel like a deeper sense of resentment. And so I don't know, I haven't really figured it out honestly, but those are kind of my preliminary thoughts. I think you maybe figured it out more than you might realize guess what phrase was rolling around in my mind while you were talking before you said it uh two-way street so like uh, i mean if you're going down a road and you want to go farther you might come to a dead end if you're building a bridge it might only go halfway across the, the chasm and mm-hmm. so uh, two-way street is important and this sounds a little blunt uh, and again it would never want to hurt anyone's feelings and they would have to want to be with you and and if i could go a step further doesn't matter if you're 12 or 25 there's a longing in all of us for our dad or if they can't our father figures mentors to want to be with us too 
to reach out to us. That's one of the reasons why I almost constantly follow up. Hey, mm-hmm. how's it going? And there may not be anything on the agenda, but hey, just thinking about you because you we want to be known. Uh, it doesn't matter again if you're 12, 25, or, or 58 like me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you maybe have come farther in that answer than what you might have even realized. It is a two-way street, Isaac. And it would it would be gut-wrenching. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. It would still hurt some if they didn't. Um, but you kind of know what the expectations are up to this point at 25. Mm-hmm. Anyways, two-way street. Let's just leave it at that because um, that's going to be different for every young man. So kind of a poignant, poignant question here too, but I, I think we talked about this earlier, but what, what would you say to them if if they were willing to listen just about this whole topic? Uh, so I think I don't know I don't have an answer for that it's okay <laughs> that's a big one and I'll be honest here uh, you know I love my dad and we're close in some ways if not close in some other ways and that type of question uh, those are things I'm still sorting through in my 50s just so you know just FYI yeah. so yeah. well let's talk about this and we're going to close out here man I appreciate everything we've talked about so far but a significant number of guys listening today uh, in different parts of the nation and actually in different parts of the world. Gosh, I had uh, guys uh, access the website from 60 countries last year and read articles and listen to podcasts. So young men, I'll never meet, hear this, and we want to help them out. So as opposed to a young man whose dads, let's just say we're perfect and always there and always present. There aren't many of those, but there's a few. Uh, the Mueller sons uh, have a dad like that was there present but do you think there's hope can can young men who are in your situation arrive at the same plateaus as a young man who had a healthy dad do you think that's possible to make up the the deficit yeah i i do and and here's what really provided a sense of peace as a whole for me like i i I do still feel a sense of frustration but um something that was pretty revolutionary for me. The big thing with dads is we want to feel, we want to feel like we're a priority. Dude. And I didn't feel like that from either of my dads for most of my life. Wow. Except for on their schedule. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now I have to drop everything because you're like pressuring me to do these things. It's like, I just want like day to day prior, like, you know, like I just want day to day. Yeah. Yeah but realizing that both of my dads do love me, but that they are normal guys. They're dudes figuring out their lives also. And they might've not done everything flawlessly or to the way that I would have hoped. But at the end of the day, they do genuinely love me. And they expressed Mm -hmm. that love at the times that they did in the ways that they do. And it was genuine and it was real. 
that gives me a lot of peace. And that's why I have relationships with them both today, because I do know that they love me and um, I love them. Mm. Um, and that's so good. Like distance, emotional distance doesn't equal something more sinister necessarily. You know, necessarily, yeah. people don't know how to, they don't know how to balance their relationships or they don't know how to communicate super well. And those things are not necessarily these dark reflections of, of something deeper in the relationship or, or even in them. It's just, so I think that gave me a lot of peace is realizing that they love me and that manifested in the ways that they knew how to show it. <laughs> Man, um, you articulated that so well, Isaac. I love what you just said. Emotional distance, uh, doesn't necessarily have to be something dark and sinister. Does it hurt? Yeah. Do you wish that you had been a priority and that they had known how to show it? Absolutely. But you're still able to talk and you're still able to go forward. And what you've learned through it, man, I mean, you talked about some of it. So thank you again so much for being so vulnerable and real on that question. I want to close out here by, by talking a little bit about maybe some advice that you would give other young men whose dad is emotionally distant, distant, like what are the best tangible ways for a young man like yourself or younger, or maybe even older in their thirties or forties, what's the best way to, to go forward and heal uh, from father wounds? Well, I think a, a good thing that you can do is just start inviting them into your life even though that it feels for me, it feels unnatural um, because it's never like really, it's always been kind of a, a matter of convenience when they were ready or when they were around, then like they would be there, but to push against that and start inviting them into your life to help you with something or like that idea is so strange. Like to ask my dad for help is very, that feels very, odd to me but um i think that just starting to break down the barriers and and break down the walls a little bit by bringing them in welcoming them into the normal parts of your life i think that that can stabilize things in a way that doesn't feel like we got to have a like a dtr or some like <laughs> deep heavy thing you know because nobody yeah. nobody really likes those and it no Sometimes it might be necessary and it, I don't think it is in my relationship with my dad's right now. Um, but what I'm like actively doing is just trying to like involve them more in my, my life and welcoming them in my, into my day to day more. That's um, awesome. And what about to the find anger the that you felt? I'll stop to you, buddy. Go ahead. That's okay. Yeah. Just trying to find the balance yeah. of that, like of that and the two way streetness that we talked is kind of yeah. the, the trick, I suppose. Ooh, and it's a delicate balance. Wow. Well, so what about, we'll close out here in a second. What about guys who are feeling the pain? Um, they, they have not progressed as far as you. Maybe they haven't had healthy mentors in their life. You've had at least three, which is admirable, a 25. What about guys who are saying, man, I, I can't even begin to ask my dad into my life because it hurts so bad. How do you, how do you work through the hurt of feeling like you're, you're number 21 on the list and not number one with dad? What about that pain? Because it's real for many guys. 
Uh, I don't measure up. I didn't meet my dad's expectations. Uh, My dad doesn't care. There's a long list of things we could say different for every dude. What about that guy who's currently saying, man, I I feel crushed. I do. How do you, uh, what, what's some of your advice for young man who's crushed to, to get up and, and work through it? How do you do it? Yeah, it's such a, such a tough question. It is. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No perfect answer. I think I've, I've found a lot of hope and a lot of foundation and solid ground and a sense of peace in who I know I am in Jesus. Um, and a lot of people use Jesus as a cop-out answer. This yeah. is not a cop-out answer. This is a, Jesus is a comforter. The Holy Spirit says, I'm a comforter to you. Yeah. And, it sure has David, been for me, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Da- David says, oh God, who am I and who, am, who is my family that you would have brought me this far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This idea that God will take you out of, take you out of a place and, and bring you far. Like there's so much hope and joy there. Um, mm-hmm. But then on a less spiritual side, um, I think it's absolutely crucial to have positive older male figures in your life if your dad is absent physically emotionally absent um whatever works a ton and and can't you know he's a, he's aware of the gaps but he just works too much whatever it is it's it's very important to have some sort of like masculine figure in your life who, who can who can pour into you and give you encouragement yes and call outs if you need them uh, <laughs> once in a while yeah yeah, so on a less spiritual side of things, I would say go proactively look for someone who you respect and admire in your yeah. life. They're there. Dude, again, you did it. Yeah. But you got you got you do have to find them. Um yeah. cuz most like you're you offer mentorship. Most guys don't just offer it. Uh um, Yeah, you're right. And, it's and rare. So, <laughs> right, right. So if there's someone that you respect, you you have to ask them a lot of times. Yeah. Um so and there's some fear that I might be rejected if I ask, but how would you know if you don't ask? And if they right. say no, then they say no. It can't hurt much more than the wounds that you're carrying from distant dads. So, dude, I know you're on a schedule. You got to get out of that Airbnb there and get back on the road. And mm-hmm. so uh, let's close out here. Is there anything that you wish you would have said and told these young men about uh, emotionally distant fathers? Anything else left in your man's soul there? Yeah, I guess my, my last closing thought here is your your fathers my fathers our fathers <laughs> they have huge <laughs> huge impacts on us they do but we are not our fathers we are mm. our own men um and we can we can and should take the good and reject the bad um mm. and wow. and know that the ways that your father impact you and the things that they teach you, those are big and profound, but they are still just one part of everything that you are. Um, So good. Mm. And so don't let these frustrations turn into something that poisons the poisons, the whole, the whole batch, so to speak. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Mm. I don't think you could have said it much better, Isaac. 
I really don't. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to let you go, and I don't have all the right words to say about how much uh, I love you, how much Jamie loves you and your family. I miss your face, and so glad we got to hang out uh, last year before all this COVID mess. And I probably say this a lot, but I don't think you guys get tired of hearing it. I'm deeply and immensely proud of you and your progress, and especially since you were five. I mean, who gets to do that? Like, who gets, besides parents, which I'm not your parent, but, like, who gets to watch somebody go as, as a little kid on the platform and in the academy, and then when social media came about right about the time you were finishing high school, which was cool, so we saw all that, and GCU years, and now... Dude, you're, yeah. Well, I was going to say headed for 30. That's just true. You're going to be 26. Crazy. <laughs> Super well, proud of you. Down, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just glad we get to journey together. And I say this to you a lot, but I really mean it. You guys helped me and you have stood with me and just love you so much. Dude, be safe today. And thank you for bearing your heart here. I know what's going to bring much fruit in the lives of these young men. Love you so much. All right. Thank you again, Mark. God bless you. Lastly here, guys, if you've read my posts at I'd Rather Talk, you know I usually end them with a closing question, something to take away for action. And I like to do this on the podcast as well. My takeaway question for you guys today is this. If your dad was emotionally distant, no doubt you've identified with Isaac some. What healthy males can you add to your life to lock arms with you, to share your soul with, to fill that void? Who can you talk to today to help begin filling what I call the man tank? Maybe maybe it's bone dry. Maybe you're hurting and aching in that part of your soul. It's super common. I talk to guys often who are in that situation. It's never too late, regardless of your age. And you can gain peace and confidence in this area. So it might be a, another older male from work or school or church. Now, don't, don't just trust anyone. Vet them a bit first, of course. Uh, ask around. Uh, but if your pain was deeper, such as emotional or sexual abuse, then of course you might consider meeting with a therapist too. A mentor and a therapist function in different roles. And guys, there's no shame in having both. Who can you connect with? Do it today. And that's a wrap, gentlemen, on episode 12, Emotionally Distant Dads, part two of our Father Wounds series. Of course, thanks to my special guest, the young but wise Isaac Plentel. And of course, to my previous guest on episode 11, Christopher Medichow. These two episodes go together, parts one and parts two on our Father Wounds series. So as you've listened to these, uh, maybe you've had some revelation in your own soul about some pain that you have experienced with either a completely absent dad, as in Christopher's case, or emotionally distant dad in Isaac's case. And I said this in episode 11, I'm just going to say it again. Gentlemen, resist the urge to isolate because of your dad's distance. You have not failed. This is not on you. 
And I promise you can find hope if you'll search for it. Your man tank, as I like to call it, said three minutes ago, that can be filled, can be fully restored. And you can be as strong as a young man whose dad was present and was healthy. And it may even be possible to love your dad and open parts of your life to him if it is a two-way street. And if he is healthy in terms of being non-abusive, of course, like I once told Dane Richard Mormon, who was in my circle for a long time, uh, you don't have to repeat your dad's example. You can start a healthy legacy of your own. And I love that Isaac even acknowledged this truth just a few minutes ago when he said, take the good and let go of the bad. So we got to go here. I'm about to close with my normal outro. But as we have in recent episodes, after the outro music, stick around for our ever popular outtakes. And as we roll out here, I'm Mark Edward. If you want, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the podcast platform you're listening on today at I'd Rather Talk. That includes Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, Google Podcasts, and four other platforms. And this podcast is a production of I'd Rather Talk, and it's recorded via Anchor.fm Software, a Spotify company. And I'll say it until the last episode. I don't need more followers for my ego. I don't care about likes. I don't tweet 21 times a day. It's not about me. But what I do need to do is to keep doing what I was meant to do until my last breath. And that is to help you find answers to help you enhance and advance your legacy as a young man. And for you to pass it forward, remember, guys, your children may be alive in the year 2100, depending on your age. It's something to think about. Guys, as always, I'm for you 100%. I hope we can stick together until you are old and I am really old. Let's talk soon, guys. Dude. Hello. I don't know who sounded manlier, you or me. Definitely you, no doubt. No, I don't know about that. (laughs) Our morning voices, though, for sure, which is cool. That's good. (laughs) So, hey, we'll just jump in here and a couple things, again, that I would have had in my uh, briefing to you, which I might still send just for fun, is just act like we're on a phone call or, or sitting in a coffee shop, really, just yourself anything that you say that you're like oh dang i wish i hadn't said that you can always say pause and that way i'll know it and then we'll unpause or you can tell me after i can always cut and edit Um, my philosophy is to edit as little as possible but the truth is you really end up editing quite a bit guys today we're talking about growing up fatherless and this is episode 12 you might remember uh, in the previous episode, episode 11, we, to- we talked with, uh, yeah, let's start over. I already jacked it back mm-hmm. up <laughs> since we're five seconds in. Here we go again. Jeez. There'll just be funny things, too, that'll probably be said, and I'll use those in the outtakes if we have any. So Cool. Sounds good. Any questions or anything like that? Just a note that I have that meeting at 1030. Yes. Uh, so I got to be off a few minutes before that. Okay. Um, when, when do you want to shut it down? What? Tell me, give me a time and we'll do probably it. 1025. So that way okay. I can uh, hop back on. Yeah. 
got it. And I think we can get it in because I read through the talking points again, and they're not super long. 14 questions, but some of them are rather repetitive. Mm. And I do that because if I don't get the answer out of the first question from a dude, then I, I'll ask it in a different way. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're pretty direct, which mm. I love. So I think it's going to go really good. And the biggest thing that I'm excited about in my heart is I have more guys in your situation than Chris's. So, of course, I have guys whose dads left, but more so your situation where they have a dad or, in your case, dads, and there's just not the connection that you crave. So it's okay to be super honest, and whatever feelings come to you, try not to hide them because one of the points of my podcast is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. As you know, that's what helps young men the most, and you're good at that. I'm not worried about it. Yo. How are you? Cut caught me with a face full of 12 grain toast and fresh avocado (laughs) go that's a lot of that's a lot of grains well yeah i can only have either one slice or two depending on what else i'm going to eat for the day because they're you know pretty high in calorie but i love bread and it's the one time a day i can have some so Gluten-free, whole grain, plus fresh avocado. How'd you rest? Uh, it was pretty good. I wish I, I wish I had longer. I uh, want to sleep in more, but I have to be out of this Airbnb. So <laughs> <laughs> I like how you talked right through that yawn. <laughs> You got to do Where it. Where are you headed today, young friend? I'm going you to. The, go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. To a different spot in New Jersey to uh, to meet up with some some friends. Good. Again, the goal is just vulnerability as much as you're willing to be and talk from your gut because uh, I've got a ton of guys in this exact situation, probably 65%, Isaac, of the guys I journey with, maybe more you know, have some pretty serious, mm, I know father wounds is a strong word, but, you know, just desires to be closer and they're not sure how to do it. And their dads don't know. And it's something that we work on a lot. I'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Are you awake? Yes. I've only been up 24 minutes. so <laughs> I've only been up six minutes. Okay. It's not on my throat. Here we go in five. Awesome, Isaac. So um, what we'll do is I'm going to let you go so you can be peaceful about work, but we'll set another time that's peaceful for you, and it doesn't have to be today or tomorrow. Like, you, dude, you, you're doing so well. I feel like you're sitting right here beside me, so it uh, warms my heart just how you're uh, articulating yeah, uh, so well. Absolutely that. love it. No, I enjoy it for sure. Yeah, me too. And I'll... I'll let you go, so uh, I'll try not to pester you too much, but in the next few days, if you have another lunch or if your Airbnb has good uh, Wi-Fi and you can talk at night, you know, I'm always up late too, so just let me know and we'll finish it out because I want to produce it, you know, within the next 10 days if that's physically possible. No pressure, of course, but um, did you have any questions about what we talked about so far, anything you wanted me to take out that you were like, Oh my gosh, wish I hadn't said that or. Uh, no, I think, like that. I think we're good. 
Me too. Huh. How did it feel for you? Good, good, for sure. It's enjoyable to uh, just kind of reflect. And it's nice because, like, I have all these thoughts all the time, but this is all of them consolidated into one place, which is not <laughs> something that I do often. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Just to get it out and be able to say it and then know that it's going to help uh, quite a few other young men. It's awesome. Right, right. Hey, we're at our time here, so I want you to uh, be peaceful work. I know I say it uh, probably every call, but I mean, and I'm so deeply proud of you, love you intensely, and so does Jamie, and miss you like crazy. So go work and call or text anytime 24-7, as you do. That's your space and your place. It's got your name on it, and we love you. And uh, tell me when we can finish out in the next uh, few days or whatever. Sounds good. All right. Dude, you nailed it, and we're, we're over, so I know you got to run. All right, buddy. Love you. Be safe. All right, Mark. Love you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast.